Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, before they head back to school, it's time for a conversation with your kids about how to have a safe and healthy relationship with technology. We have expert advice for parents and caregivers. Also this morning, the West Ohio Food Bank experienced unprecedented demand during the pandemic. Now post-pandemic economic issues are creating new challenges in addressing the issue of food insecurity. And we have another collection of yummy recipes straight from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, August 12, 2022. Today is Baseball Fans Day. Baseball Fans Day. And I think that has something to do with the fact that it was on this day in 1994 that the Major League Baseball strike began. (laughs) Uh, And so I guess they turned that around and make it Baseball Fans Day because it was the fans that really got hosed in 1994 when Major League Baseball went on strike and it wiped out the rest of the season and remember the World Series got canceled and all of that. So Baseball Fans Day today, it is IBM PC Day. This day in 1981, IBM introduced its first personal computer and the PC was born. Prior to that, of course, IBM was Strictly a business machines company. It's in the name. International Business Machines, IBM. But uh, a lot of people credit IBM introducing their PC with sort of mainstreaming home computing. I mean, there were a lot of home computers prior to that. IBM was actually kind of late to the game. But there was also some skepticism among many that personal computers, the home computers, might be a fad. But then when IBM jumped in, that sort of legitimized it in the mind of minds of many. So IBM PC day today. They weren't the first, but they were the ones that really kind of solidified the uh, movement to home computers. And look what's happened since. I don't know if we should celebrate or blame them for that. <laughs> sure. Also, International Youth Day, National Julienne Fries Day, National Middle Child Day. Big salute to the middle children. Uh, Truck driver day today, world elephant day, and it is vinyl record day today. I don't know about you, but I I have mentioned this a number of times. Uh, I have really gotten, gotten into vinyl records again here of late. Yeah. I rediscovered my old record collection and getting... New vinyls, as they are called now. And you see so many new albums being released on vinyl now. And outselling CDs. Still not outselling downloads, digital downloads, but uh, vinyl records are now the most popular form of physical music media. So, pretty cool stuff there. Some of the uh, first things you need to know this morning. Uh, And this is big news After two long years, the Centers for Disease Control has dropped its recommendation that people stay at least six feet away from other people in public places. 
I know that is big news for a lot of folks. Uh, the CDC has finally dropped there. Although, here's the here's the kicker on that. <laughs> that was actually one of the things that I think most people liked <laughs> about, about uh, the pandemic recommendations. The, the idea of people not crowding your space as much. I know a lot of people was like, this is kind of nice. Not having everybody stacked on top of each other in checkout lines at the grocery store or you know, things like that. Uh, but no more do you have to worry about the six feet thing. So all of the businesses out there, you can pull up all of those six foot stickers and the little red X's on the floor. Don't need to do that anymore. They say it will also no, no longer uh, be necessary for those who have been exposed to COVID-19 to quarantine at home. Just because you've been exposed uh, is not reason to quarantine unless you test positive or have physical symptoms. Then they still recommend that you quarantine, but just being exposed is not a reason to quarantine. The CDC notes the high levels of immunity in the population due to vaccination or previous infection. Now, not all of the guidelines have been dropped. The CDC still says uh, people who test positive should stay home for at least five days and wear a mask around others for 10 days. And indoor mask recommendations do remain in place for about half the country because of local infection numbers. But it is a significant milestone in the post-pandemic era. So big news there. Uh, let's see here. Elsewhere. Did you happen to see that? Speaking of, and I know there was a, a big pushback on all of the pandemic restrictions. Um, here is another demonstration of what happens when the government tells people that they can or can't do things that they do or don't want to do. You know what I mean? In this case, in Lebanon, um, well, I'll give you the story. An armed Lebanese man who held a Beirut bank hostage for hours because he couldn't withdraw his savings is being hailed as a hero in the court of public opinion. So here's the backstory. Lebanon in a deep economic crisis right now, and banks are tightly limiting how much of their own money people can access. So the man, the man carried a rifle into the bank, poured gasoline on the floor, and demanded his money so he could pay his hospital bills. Now, mind you, he didn't go in to rob the bank. He went in. He, he, he felt he had no other recourse but to take these extreme measures to withdraw his own money. He wasn't trying to steal money from the bank. He was just trying to withdraw his own money. And he's become something of a folk hero. Crowds outside the bank were chanting, You're a hero! As the standoff went on for six hours. The whole thing ended peacefully after the man was allowed to withdraw $35,000 of his own savings. There is no word on whether he will face charges. But I, I understand you can't walk into a bank with a shotgun and dump gasoline all over the place and, and threaten to torch the place. Can't do it. But at the same time, this is what happens when the, and I guess the government 
uh, as part of the uh, bank restrictions, banks and the government have, have said you can't withdraw uh all of your money, it's only so much that you can access at a time and so on and so forth. This is what happens when people are told that they can't do things that they want to do. And uh, in this case, he's just trying to withdraw his own money. That is just crazy. You can see why people uh, were uh, treating him as a folk hero there. This, speaking of money, I saw this story on the uh, Newswire. State gaming control investigators in Nevada say three men have been charged with cheating a trio of Las Vegas casinos to win more than $126,000. One of them charged with committing fraudulent acts in a gaming establishment. The other two have taken plea deals. The uh, manager at Paris, Las Vegas, had contacted state gaming officials when he witnessed the three bending cards to cheat apparently uh they would bend the edges of face cards so that they would get an edge uh in and i don't know whether you're playing blackjack i would assume blackjack i don't know you know maybe something else but i'm assuming blackjack the charges uh, the charges claim the three suspects also visited planet hollywood and the uh, win las vegas and i thought you know (laughs) back in the day (laughs) When the uh, less desirable entities ran the Las Vegas Strip, they would they would have probably had their had their fingers fingers broken. They would have been dragged out back. We have ways of taking care of you. You do this. <laughs> now they just report in the State Gaming Commission, but <laughs> I'm not sure if that's progress or not. Either way, they probably won't do that again. Uh, this was kind of interesting. I got a good chuckle about this. One of the uh, most buzzworthy stories of the day. Meta, the parent company of Facebook, has released an artificial artificial intelligence chatbot with a lot to say about the company's CEO. (laughs) Blenderbot. It is part of Meta's efforts to create artificial intelligence, AI, that mimics human behavior. And the way it works is it uses internet searches to answer users' questions. So they put this out there. You can ask BlenderBot any question, and it will research the answer and spit it back out at you in a sort of artificial intelligence sort of way. So somebody got the brilliant idea of asking BlenderBot what do you think about Mark Zuckerberg? <laughs> now, mind you, this is a uh, project of the parent company of Facebook, and they asked, what do you think about Mark Zuckerberg? And uh, Blenderbot came back, I don't really like him at all. He's, he's too creepy and manipulative. <laughs> Blenderbot, you're fired. <laughs> uh, by the way, you can chat with the bot yourself. Visit blenderbot.com. AI, blenderbot.ai, if you'd like to uh, ch- chat with a bot yourself. <laughs> As saying some not, not so nice. So our, obviously the artificial intelligence isn't perfect yet because it hasn't learned not to criticize the boss, you know? <laughs> and uh, how about this? This may make you feel a little bit better about yourself this morning. Ferrari is recalling thousands of vehicles dating back nearly two decades. 
The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration said yesterday 23,000 cars made by the legendary Italian automaker have a braking system defect that could keep the cars from stopping. And that's important, especially with a Ferrari, when you're going pretty doggone fast in most cases, you want to be able to stop. The recall affects cars across Ferrari's lineup, including some manufactured as early as 2005. Auto industry experts say the scope of the recall is massive for a company that sells fewer than 10,000 cars a year. So, I don't know, I saw that and I was a bit comforted by it. (laughs) You know what I mean? I I guess as part of that, we we always like it when those who are above our stature in life... Uh, have <laughs> have to deal with the same issues that the rest of us do. So I guess there's some sort of <laughs> sort of satisfaction in that. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. It'll be partly to mostly sunny today with a high around 80. Partly cloudy conditions are expected tonight, a low in the mid 50s. A man is dead after trying to breach the FBI field office in Cincinnati. An armed man wearing body armor was involved in a chase and standoff with multiple law enforcement agencies after he attempted to breach the FBI building in Cincinnati. The Ohio State Highway Patrol says he led troopers on a chase for several miles on northbound I-71. At one point, suspected gunfire came from inside the suspect's vehicle. Onan's Kate Burdett reporting after a lengthy standoff, police say the suspect was fatally shot by officers after raising a gun toward them. As the new school year approaches, many school districts across Ohio need more bus drivers. So what are the requirements? We checked to see the Ohio laws and the administrative codes and the Ohio Department of Education. So here's what we found. There's a list of requirements. Applicants must be at least 21 years old. You have to have a minimum of two years driving experience a current and valid commercial driver's license, a CDL, and a negative pre-employment drug test. Onan's Tracy Townsend reporting. Finley City Schools says it does have enough bus drivers for the upcoming school year, but they are open to adding to their team, and people are always encouraged to check out the latest job openings in the district. The Finley-Hancock County Community Foundation is partnering with the Finley Family YMCA to sponsor admission to Riverside Pool throughout the closing weekend. The event, dubbed Last Weekend on Us, will take place on Saturday and Sunday. Attendance could be limited for safety reasons, depending on the turnout. Get more on the website. In honor of their exhibit about 1960s garage bands, the Hancock Historical Museum will be spending an evening celebrating the decade. The museum is inviting people to join them for a free outdoor showing of American Graffiti on Saturday night. Hey, you're supposed to be fasting in the valley, man, but that can't be your car. It must be your mama's car. I'm sort of embarrassed to be this close to you. People should bring their own lawn chairs, and the museum will provide the popcorn. Some cars from the era will be there, too. Get more on this special outdoor movie on the website. I'm Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. You know, parenting kids has always been a tough job, and these days, the technology issues we have to navigate make it even tougher. 
With each milestone a child reaches come big digital choices. And joining us this morning to help parents ask the right questions and come up with the right answers for their family is Emma McGowan, privacy and security advocate for the cybersecurity software company Avast. And uh, Emma, first of all, you point out that right now is the perfect time to consider these issues because it is back to school time and technology is becoming an increasingly important education tool. So families of kids at every age are going to be confronting this, right? Yeah, back to school is a great time for all of this because the internet is just a part of kids' lives today, right? You know, school, FaceTime and grandma, playing games, kids are online a lot. So what do we really need to know when it comes to kids and the digital universe these days? What what do parents need to understand going in? So we're really talking today about taking a two-pronged approach to kids' lives online. Um, and one prong is parenting, right? <laughs> so having a lot of conversations about the internet, about what's going on there, about what information you share with people, asking questions, asking your kid questions about what they're doing online, leading questions like, how do you know what a friend is? What does a friend do when they're little, obviously? Um, and teaching them about privacy and computer security, social media safety, starting very early. That helps create a kid who's savvy and who uses their own critical thinking to make good choices. But the second prong um, is cybersecurity software, which, you know, is what we do over at Avast. We have a great solution called Avast One that covers all your cybersecurity and privacy needs across all of your devices for your whole family. Now, obviously... Uh, cybersecurity is important for everyone, but especially uh, for young people who are maybe not as savvy. We think of kids as being digital natives, but still, you don't know what you don't know. And if they uh, are, they probably are not fully comprehend uh, comprehensive of, of all of the risks that are out there. Absolutely. I mean, I, I would argue that even grownups are not fully aware, right? <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> the the thing, yeah, the thing about cyber criminals is they're smart and they're creative. You know, they're, they're always coming up with new ways to, to get on our devices. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's important to keep having those conversations, sharing what you know, keeping educated yourself, mm -hmm. and again, making sure that your devices are secured with a great cybersecurity solution. You know, that that actually may be a good place to start uh, when we talk about tips for uh, sharing with our kids uh, surrounding online privacy, um, especially since we don't certainly know it all ourselves. How do we broach that subject with our kids and, and teach them what they need to know? So I think uh, uh, broaching the subject, I definitely start by asking questions. Where are your kids hanging out? What are they doing there? Can they show it to you? Uh, maybe you can spend a little time with them in, in Minecraft or on TikTok or, or wherever it is that they are having a lot of fun these days. Um, and then also while you're in there, talk about sharing sensitive information. That's really important. And that can include, uh, you know, your full name, their full name, email addresses, home addresses, phone numbers, but also things like the names of their pets or the names of your pets, because that is something that comes up on security questions. 
So being really, being really clear about we don't share these kinds of things with other people online uh, is super yeah. important. And the other thing is, yeah, like that's 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 the big. Well, I was gonna say. I mean, there's. I was gonna say there's a perfect example of uh, things that we may think of uh, because you know we we understand this, but but kids don't realize that this seemingly innocuous information uh, can be very critical for someone who has less than honorable intentions, shall we say? And a good way to sort of talk about that too is use analogies, right? So if we're talking about passwords. Kids might not understand how security questions work, but they can understand that maybe there's multiple locks on your front door, right? Mm -hmm. So talking about which lock is the password, which lock is the security question, um, connecting it to something in the physical world is a great way to interpret this kind of abstract digital world, especially with with smaller kids. Mm, good advice there. So we talking about ways to protect the family from some of the threats that are out there and impressing upon our kids just how important this is. What about for our youngest ones who are just now starting their digital journey, if you will, how can we support them in a way that will help them have a healthy relationship with uh, technology and grow in that so that they can avoid some of the pitfalls that they're going to encounter along the way? Because it's a reality. They will encounter some of these things along the way, obviously. Yeah, they will. And, and so with, with the little ones, a really good thing to do is really be present with them online. So, you know, obviously uh, little kid activities are not super interesting for adults, but spending time in those spaces with them, asking them questions about it, you know, why did you move that thing in the game or what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. That's a really good way to A, normalize you being a part of their digital lives, right? Um, yeah. Start talking about, oh, here's a friend. How do we know that's a friend? Who is that friend? Um, just sort of uh, asking leading questions and helping them really develop those critical thinking skills that are going to be so important as they move forward. Really is a uh, difficult subject for a lot of parents, but so very important. One of the things that I love, you have an entire academy section of your website with more information more tools and guidance on all of this and lots of other topics, more than we can possibly go into here. Tell us where to find those resources. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. If you want to check that out, you can go to avast.com, and we have everything there, including the academy you mentioned, the blog, Avast One, which we spoke about. And if you want specific back-to-school stuff, you can go to avast.com slash back-to-school. A great time to start talking about all of this because uh, even the ones that uh, maybe are not as familiar with technology yet, they're certainly going to uh, get introduced to that in school, uh, either as part of the curriculum or from friends or all of that. So now is the time to start thinking about this. Emma McGowan, again, is privacy and security advocate for Avast. Emma, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you.
Well, you remember during the pandemic, the West Ohio Food Bank experienced unprecedented demand, and now post-pandemic economic issues are creating new challenges in addressing the issue of food security, food insecurity. Uh, Jason Aldrich is with the West Ohio Food Bank uh, and joins us uh, on the line this morning. Uh, Jason, during the uh, the throes of the pandemic, as we mentioned, uh, folks who recall that there was this huge influx uh, of demand, unlike anything that you had really seen before. So many people uh, out of work or uh, their income severely curtailed because of pandemic restrictions and uh, so on. Uh, never seen anything like it. Uh, now it's a whole different set of issues that are creating problems for a lot of folks, right? Exactly, Chris. And, you know, not just those folks that do rely on food bank services, not only in the West Central Ohio area and the 11 counties in which we serve, but all over the entire state. Uh, there are 12 other food banks, so a total of 13 or so food banks across Ohio. And, you know, we're all coming together right now uh, to speak to our state legislative leaders to say, look, we're running low here and we're constantly getting orders of food canceled, which means our warehouses are not as full as they should be. And again, this is all 13 food banks across Ohio, not just our facility located in Lima to serve the 11 counties uh, in West Central Ohio. So. Yeah, we've got is, another issue here popping up. Yeah, it is a good point that it is not unique to our area, and for that matter, not unique to the state of Ohio uh, either, as as far as that goes. But you really uh, see this perfect storm uh, of things. The very reason why, the very things that are making it difficult for a lot of people to afford to put food on their table um, are, are impacting food banks, including yours, uh, in terms of high prices, short supplies, you know, all of these things impact you as well. Exactly. And again, we're seeing that. Um, we kind of expected maybe we would be able to get through it okay, but now, you know, really we are seeing it, you know, uh, upfront and personal because when we go to do distributions in the different counties and the different communities, and we just don't have the normal inventory that we have to give out to these folks. So, you know, we're trying day by day, we're continuing to place orders and things of that nature. But when stuff gets canceled, uh, whether it be at the USDA federal level or even from other places that we are able to order food at low cost for, you know, that's kind of out of our control. And right. so that's why it's caused, you know, this whole kind of uh, uproar for all of us to team together to look for emergency funding from the state. So if it were just a matter of rising food prices, I mean, that's a problem uh, that is, it's a challenge, but it is one that is uh, relatively easy to address in terms of, you know, getting more donations of, uh, monetary and and food donations and all of that to kind of counter rising food prices. Not that that's not an issue, but that's certainly a lot easier for you to address than when uh, supply chain issues uh, make it impossible to get the food at any price. I mean, we've all experienced that. We go to the grocery store and we see uh, certain foodstuffs in short supply. How do you deal with those issues? 
Yeah, think of it as like, you know, for example, you go grocery shopping. Uh, the average Joe goes grocery shopping, and they know they can get something cheaper somewhere else. So they'll go to one store and then go to another, the freedom to be able to do that. Well, we, we do have those options as well. But again, those options are getting awful thin when we go to second and third parties and, and look for those items and they're simply not being offered. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that, that makes it an issue for us to be able to, you know, replenish our supplies and, and keep these distributions going. I can tell you, Chris, the one thing we do have plenty of currently, and it is a good problem to have, is fresh produce. Hmm. We're getting a lot of that in. We've got pretty much a full warehouse. We've been pushing out produce for the past few weeks at most, if not all, of our distributions that we've done. I, I suppose we should bring that up because uh, that was one of the uh, initiatives that came out of the pandemic itself. Again, we talk about how suddenly we had this unprecedented demand and there was a big push to get more freshly produced uh, produce and, and locally produced stuff uh, into the uh, food bank uh, supply chain uh, because of other issues that might end up letting it go to waste or, or something like that. So it sounds as though that has continued and, and certainly has been successful. We don't want to be all doom and gloom here. Right. You know, having this fresh produce available is obviously a very good thing. And again, like I said, we're trying to get this out as quickly and as, uh, you know, um, conveniently as we possibly can. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I know we've got a couple coming up uh, in Hancock County this weekend, which I know we'll touch on here. And, and I'm sure there's going to be plenty of fresh produce available yeah. uh, at that. But yeah, definitely, you know, local farmers and regional farmers are always involved and, and are able to give, you know, a lot of their excess product to food banks around the state. You know, one of the other things, uh, just as almost a sidebar on all of this, I, uh, I read in the news uh, back a month or so ago when the uh, big peanut butter recall came down, Jeff peanut butter uh, was recalled and taken off the shelves. I, I would imagine that hit you folks uh, pretty hard as well, because I know peanut butter is one of those uh, food bank staples. And, you know, actually, that's a good point, Chris, because... I recall about a month or so ago being at a food distribution, and I believe the day before I was on site for that, I was at the grocery store shopping for peanut butter, yeah. and I couldn't find any. Yeah, We had some at our distribution, so we were <laughs> able to have some uh, peanut butter. Now, again, they know they have to watch who the distributor is, who the you right. know, maker of that is yeah. in order to you know avoid the recall, and, I would and of imagine. course, we did that, and yeah, that was a, a hot item to have at a food distribution. <laughs> I would imagine, although, you know, you've got a, a couple, three pallets of Jif peanut butter uh, that's been donated. Boy, that's got to break your heart to, you know, have to pitch all of that. But obviously, you know, safety first. But uh, still, you know, those things can impact uh, food banks as well. It's worth worth noting. As you said, you've got a couple of food distribution events coming up tomorrow uh, here locally. Tell us more about those events for those who are in need. Yeah, absolutely. So um, kind of a rare event to have two in one day, but we are offering this thanks to our partners uh, at Chopin Hall. They do such a great job. Uh, the first one will be tomorrow morning. That'll be Saturday, August 13th at the First Presbyterian Church, 2330 South Main in Finley. 
That'll start uh, at 8.30 and go till 10 or until all the food is distributed. You can also pre-register online at chopinhall.org. And then teaming up uh, not only with Chopin, but with the University of Finley later on on Saturday from 1.30 to 3. Uh, this is part of something we've done the last few years with the University of Finley's Freshman Orientation Service Learning Project. So a lot of the freshmen... Uh, incoming freshmen at the university will be on hand to kind of see how we do a food distribution. And again, it's for anyone in need. And that'll be at 300 Davis Street on the campus of the University of Finley tomorrow, starting at 1.30, planning on going till about 3 o'clock or again until all the food is handed out. Again, the West Ohio Food Bank uh, that experienced unprecedented demand during the pandemic, now post-pandemic economic issues creating a whole new set of challenges in addressing the issue of food insecurity. So many people are still hurting. Jason Aldrich from the West Ohio Food Bank with us this morning. We've got more information uh, about those food distribution events and uh, the work that the West Ohio Food Bank does uh, around our region at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net. Jason, thanks very much for the update. We appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Most, you really can't blame this guy because most of us don't want to go to jail, right? I mean, it's not really a pleasant experience. We'd rather avoid it if we could. Um... But 18-year-old Joshua Dobson of Manchester, England, uh, took some uh, rather unusual extreme steps to avoid going to the slammer. Uh, he crawled inside of a giant stuffed bear to, <laughs> to avoid police. <laughs> the BBC reports that Mr. Dobson was wanted for theft and a uh, number of other minor offenses. When police showed up at his home to serve an arrest warrant, he tried disguising himself as an adorable plush toy. Apparently, he tore open a hole in the bottom of this giant teddy bear in his home and crawled inside into the fluff. <laughs> that must have been one big bear. <laughs> uh, as police did a sweep of the house, uh, Mr. Dobson's need for air got the best of him. Apparently, he forgot that he would have to breathe, and a spokesperson told uh, the BBC that police noticed a large bear sitting in the corner of the room that appeared to be breathing. <laughs> and that's when they found Mr. Dobson hiding in the fluff inside the bear. He was arrested and sentenced to nine months in jail. Uh, police said he was uh, now <clears throat> stuffed behind bars. By the way, he was uh, charged with grand theft auto. He'd stolen a car. And uh, <laughs> he, he stole a, a car. And uh, then when he needed gas, he drove off without paying for petrol, as they say in Great Britain. Which I suppose is, I mean, if you're going to steal a car... It makes sense that you would steal the gas for said car. <laughs> uh, elsewhere in the uh, broken news, our requisite story out of Florida here. A uh, woman in St. Petersburg. Sometimes people just don't get the message. 
A woman in St. Petersburg has been arrested for making over 11,000 calls to police. Carla Jefferson busted on Monday on a misdemeanor charge of placing a torrent of calls to a Florida police department and sheriff's office. At one point, she made 512 calls to police in a 24-hour period. Authorities say she would routinely harass, belittle, yell at, and threaten the employees who answered her calls. Police say Ms. Jefferson's 11,000 calls over the past year have accounted for roughly 10% of the total call volume to the St. Petersburg Police Department. One out of every 10 calls was from her. She was arrested in late June for refusing to stop and was rearrested on Monday after she continued to harass dispatchers. So, some people just don't get the hint. I mean, once you're, you've been arrested, uh, you probably should stop. But... Uh, Speaking of not getting the hint, a man arrested after a gym confrontation in Miami-Dade County is not showing much remorse. Lennon Sanchez was in court yesterday after his arrest earlier this week outside of an L.A. fitness location in Kendall, Florida. The 57-year-old allegedly pulled a knife on another man who confronted him for looking at his uh, at the man's girlfriend while she worked out uh, in the gym. <laughs> he was looking at the guy's girlfriend while she was working out. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the dangers of the gym, right? I mean, sometimes you can't help but notice, but you can't stare. And apparently he was staring and uh, the uh, woman's boyfriend didn't take too kindly to that and pulled out a knife on the man. Uh, let's see here. The, the, uh, looky Lou, uh, though didn't show a whole lot of remorse in the whole thing, saying to news reporters, the woman was a fine girl who was squatting real nice. <laughs> take, take the hint, man. Take the hint. This is not how you react. Uh, he says he is sad that he has now been banned from the gym. So the other guy's in trouble, but he's been banned for the gym and he still just doesn't get it. She was, she was looking fine and squatting real nice. Now that's not the reaction that you <clears throat> should have there. Uh, this is a, uh, story about a, a woman who will not be winning any awards for daughter of the year. She's the daughter of an art collector who allegedly used fake psychics to convince her mother that all of the valuable art objects in her home were possessed and needed to be sold. <laughs> this is a story out of Brazil. Uh, police say Sabine Bogici, a former model, was arrested in Rio on charges of stealing $140 million in art and jewelry from her mother. She convinced her mom that <laughs> her, her art, artwork and her jewelry were possessed and needed to be sold. Mr. Uh, uh, Ms. Bagichi is also charged with embezzlement and extortion <laughs> and will not be winning any Daughter of the Year contests anytime soon, I don't think. And finally, in the broken news this morning, 
you got to look the video up uh, for this story online. I saw it earlier this morning, and it is absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Thankfully, nobody was seriously hurt. Uh, this is a story out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A flatbed truck transporting portable toilets just outside of the city early Tuesday morning <laughs> when all hell broke loose. Um, <laughs> at least seven of the Portageons went barreling onto the highway, damaging at least four cars. <laughs> Guys driving the flatbed truck with the Portageons on the back, and somehow they came loose. Seven of them fell onto the highway. Thankfully, the portable toilets were empty, <laughs> and no one was hurt. Um, local news reports say within a matter of minutes, cars were plowing into each and every loose toilet, one of them leaving only fluttering toilet paper behind. <laughs> Alex Hilario, who was driving at the time and hit one of those rolling Johns, told the out, uh, told uh, news reporters, Quote, I see a porta potty flying back at me and I try my best to swerve out of the way, but it hits my driver's side and causes me to pull over. Unquote. He said he was beyond shocked by what happened because it just happened so fast. Vern Hicks, uh, another driver hit by one of the rogue toilets, said all of a sudden out of nowhere, there was a what? Wha, a what? A what? I didn't know what it was until I hit it. And, uh, I said, oh my goodness, I think I just hit a portage on in the middle of I-94. <laughs> now there's a statement you don't ever have to uh, say to her. You don't ever expect to have to say to a reporter. You just never in your life figure that you're going to say to a reporter, I think I just hit a portage on in the middle of I-94. <laughs> um, <laughs> Vern's car sustained enough damage that it could be considered totaled. The Waukesha County Sheriff's Office deputies are describing what happened as a <clears throat> crappy situation. An investigation is ongoing onto how the uh, toilets broke free. What was amazing about the video, and as I said, I saw the video earlier this morning. What is amazing is the uh, Portageons fell off the uh, flatbed truck and landed upright on the highway. Every single one of them uh, fell off the, the uh, highway and landed upright in various lanes. <laughs> Of the highway, it was just absolutely say uh, uh, DOT cam uh, that captured the whole thing. So you can go and, and look that up. It is well worth a few minutes of your time to check out the video. There you go. That is today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Hi, my name is Jamie Decker. I'm a person in recovery who lives with substance use disorder, and I'm here to tell you that my life matters. It matters to my kids, my grandkids, and my friends. I want you to know that recovery can happen, but it won't if you're dead. Drug overdose is preventable. Join me on Friday, August 26th from 2 to 4.30 at the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts to learn more about overdose prevention and how you can save a life like mine. 
now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. You know, we've gotten some encouraging economic numbers over the course of the past week or so. And the employment report, what, uh, a week ago today, I think last Friday, and then earlier this week, the consumer price index, and yesterday, the producer price index, and all of those numbers uh, came in uh, a little better than what many analysts expected And the White House, of course, has been shouting this from the rooftops, but average Americans are a little less convinced about the direction of the economy and about their personal finances in particular. A new poll from Fox News indicates that 59% of Americans consider their financial situation, their own personal financial situation, to be only fair or poor. That compares to 51% who said that in January. And they're not very optimistic either. Fully 75% said that they are dissatisfied with the way things are going in the U.S. compared to 68% who felt that way in February. Now, we know how Republicans feel about President Biden, and that has not changed. But much of the current increase in dissatisfaction comes from Democrats. 56% of Dems are unhappy today. That's up from 42% in May and 20% in April of last year. That is a 36-point increase in dissatisfaction over the course of the past 15 months. And among independents, 91% dissatisfied now versus 65% in April of last year. So these are not really the numbers that the White House wants to see especially with the midterms looming. And just something to uh, think about. Overall, fewer voters rate the economy positively now. Just 19% say that the economy is in excellent or good shape. That is down from 29% last spring. And I actually would say a little surprised that 19% said that the economy is in either excellent or good shape. But nonetheless, that's what the, uh, the poll says. Currently, 81% give the economy negative marks, which is actually an improvement from 84% last month. Maybe, again, credit the uh, encouraging news that we've seen in the past week for that. Voters are a little more upbeat when it comes to their personal finances, yet things are in negative territory here as well. 40% say their finances are in excellent or good shape. 59% say only fair or poor. A year ago, it was the reverse. People are particularly sour with respect to grocery prices, but one point of voter optimism is gas prices. A slim 54% majority see prices at the pump coming down. And among those voters, the largest number, 19%, give President Biden credit for that. 13% say the credit goes to the oil companies. 10% say public outcry uh, is the reason why prices have come down. And 10% say no one should get the credit for that. But interesting numbers there on the economy uh, from this uh, Fox News poll, especially in the wake of the numbers that we've seen over the past week or so that have been a little bit more encouraging than what many expected, but still a long way to go, as evidenced by that poll. Well, that sound can only mean one thing. My wife, Kyra, has joined us in the studio for another collection of recipes 
from Kyra's Kitchen. Good morning, dear. Hi, honey. <laughs> <laughs> We've got some uh, really good stuff uh, today from Kyra's Kitchen. And uh, we had these for your earlier birthday. this week. Yeah, for my birthday. She yeah, made these I for made, my birthday. Yeah, I made these for his birthday. Birthday earlier this week. <laughs> and uh, sharing this, uh, this recipe, which is incredibly easy. And it's one of those things that I can't believe that we never thought about it before. Yeah. You know, I can't believe that uh, we never uh, did this before. It was good, too. Yeah, grilled, uh, grilled cheeseburgers. Yep. You've got grilled cheese. You've got cheeseburgers. You put them together. You've got grilled, grilled cheeseburgers. cheeseburgers. Here's how you do them. Yes, so one pound of ground beef, a half a teaspoon of garlic powder, a half a teaspoon of onion powder, one teaspoon of salt, one teaspoon of ground black pepper, um, 10 slices of your Texas toast bread, butter, and American cheese. We ended up using cheddar cheese. So we yeah, were a little I, bit I noticed that there. on yeah. the uh, recipe. Yeah. We used the uh, cheddar. We used it was cheddar really cheese good. slices, and it was. So in a mixing bowl, combine your onion powder, your garlic powder, your salt, pepper, and your hamburger. Form into thin patties. Cook through on a grill or griddle. I used my griddle. Uh, set aside, uh, butter both sides of your bread and place uh, on the griddle. Uh, cook on one side until it turns nice and golden brown. Then flip the bread over. Place your cheese slices on them. Once um, the remaining sides of the bread are golden and the cheese has melted, then add your hamburger and assemble your sandwich. So... So um, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Really easy. Yeah, really, <laughs> so, really easy. Yeah. But yummy. And yummy I just stuff. kept my hamburgers warm in the microwave while I was uh, waiting. So then we didn't have to ah. uh, heat them up too much. Yeah. Okay. So, so good stuff there. Really easy to do the uh, grilled uh, cheese burgers. And then you had a dipping dip. sauce yes, for those. Yes, I had a dipping sauce. So quarter cup of mayonnaise, three tablespoons of ketchup, a half a tablespoon of white vinegar, one tablespoon of dill pickle relish, uh, a half a teaspoon of onion powder, and one teaspoon of minced garlic. So in a mixing bowl, combine all your ingredients, place it in an air air tight container and store in the refrigerator until you're ready to serve with your burgers. Now, you could actually put those uh, put the, uh, it's a dipping sauce, so you could right. actually put it on the burger yeah. when you assemble the sandwich. Yeah, you too. could. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. you wouldn't you could. have to. I wouldn't yours, but you could. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm not big on it, but <laughs> yep. you like your, that's just, yep. that's just me, yeah, but if you, you could, if you like um, that, yeah, you do. I don't know. We'd have to. I'd have to try You'd it. Have to try it. Yeah, I just used it as a dipping sauce and mm-hmm. dip mine in it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, for dessert, uh, no bake cheesecake. Yes. So for the crust, you have two cups of graham cracker crumbs and half a cup of butter melted. Then for the filling, you have an eight ounce block of cream cheese at room temperature. Eight ounce uh, whipped cream, like your Cool Whip. Uh, 14 ounce sweetened condensed milk and one teaspoon of lemon extract. Uh, so in a bowl, mix your two cups of graham crackers, your crumbs, your graham cracker crumbs and a half a cup of your melted butter. Uh, mix that together. Uh, transfer for that mixture to a pie pan. Press down firmly on the bottom and the sides. I just do the bottoms. I don't do the sides. So I just, okay. that's the way I, I it's just easier. <laughs> so, and then uh, refrigerate that. Um, and then add your, your cream cheese, your whipped cream, your sweet condensed milk into a mixing bowl. Beat all that together with an electric, electric mixer until it's smooth and completely combined. Um, about three to four minutes or so. Uh, then 
add your lemon extract, uh, mix until combined, uh, remove your graham cracker crust from from the refrigerator, pour the filling in and smooth it out with the spatula, uh, cover with some plastic wrap or aluminum foil in the refrigerator for one to two hours or until your uh, filling is set and then enjoy. And the easy way that I get my crust out is I warm up just a little bit of hot water in the bottom of my sink, place my dish down into that. Okay. Let it sit there for just like maybe 30, 40 seconds, then bring it up and put it on a towel. And that loosens up that crust. So it's easier Mm. to pop out. Ah, little kitchen hack there from uh, Kyra's Kitchen. Really easy stuff uh, here this morning. The uh, grilled cheese burgers, the burger dipping sauce, and the no-bake cheesecake, which is very, very yummy. Uh, we had that for my birthday too. Yep. Um, we can you can find those uh, recipes posted at the uh, Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page at Kyra's Kitchen WFIN. So uh, look for those there. We also have them linked up at GoodMornings.net. I happen to see this since we've got a couple of seconds here. We do have this some I time. Thought, yeah. Uh, this was kind of interesting. A new survey. Uh, let's see here. It doesn't say where the survey uh, comes from. I hmm. was going to mention, but, uh, this new survey finds that Americans spend, get this over 400 hours in the kitchen each year. Yep. Over 400 hours in the kitchen each year. Yeah. I, I can imagine that. I Have you ever it. tracked your time in the kitchen? We need to do yeah. that. We need to track your time in the kitchen. Track my See, time in the kitchen. Yeah. 400 hours in the kitchen. I've been there a lot. <laughs> uh, 2,000 Americans uh, across uh, multiple um, heritages okay. uh, were asked about uh, multiple ethnicities, were asked about their family's cooking habits, and they found that the kitchen truly is the heart of the home. Yep. Um, 67 minutes per day, huh? 77%. Uh, it was 67 minutes per day. 77% say they uh, used to cook with their family at least once a week growing up. Yeah. Um, creating some of their favorite childhood memories. Mm-hmm. Nearly a third, 31% of those in the survey said they did so every day. Yeah. Uh, wow. j- just over one in three fondly reflected on the memories of eating meals together as a family <laughs> and learning how to cook with their relatives. Yep. So... Uh, three in 10 say going food shopping even and cleaning up the kitchen are some of their best memories yeah. to look back on. Yeah. So I just thought yeah. I'd bring that up to make the point that if you are not doing this with your kids, you really should yeah, because it should. is a great way it is. of uh, bonding with your it. kid. I mean, they yeah. just, it's just something that even if they don't necessarily yeah. love it now, yeah. they will right. look back fondly I'll, on I it think in they, the future. I think, oh, I well, mean, maybe not, yeah. maybe not cleaning up. My kids up. did. My, my kids like to help me in the kitchen. Maybe not cleaning so. up, maybe not going food shopping, but even yeah. those things. Oh, I hated taking them shopping. <laughs> <laughs> even those that things. That was not fun. Now, I had two boys that yeah. They, I mean, well, everything that went may into make the cart. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that'll make a difference. I don't know. But the bottom line is, you they may not realize it now, but that will be one of the things they will look back most fondly uh, about their childhood. So yeah. make it a point to do that. Yes. And here are some great recipes. Very easy to do. Oh, the kids yeah. can help out uh, in the kitchen with these recipes. So 
check that out uh, online. My wife, Kyra, thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. That is goodmornings.net. Coming up Monday on the show, landlords and property management firms have faced criticism for rapidly rising rent costs. But going overlooked are the significant headwinds facing the real estate industry. We'll take a closer look until Monday morning. That is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend. We'll catch you back here next week.